You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I get too good for me. <laughs> Let's talk about. Other than that, let's talk about great. producer Brad really milking the best out of me here. You know, <laughs> all those shining things coming to light. Jesus Christ! It's a beautiful life. Let's uh, let's let's beautiful. Talk, let's talk about some other what nuclear holocaust. <laughs> or, I just gave I just gave Benny some depressing news, which has nothing to do with podcasting. <laughs> I mean, it could. Uh, and thankfully, it doesn't really have much to do with me. But uh, but I'm glad to be here. Yeah, very ground. It's actually a perfect set. We start talking about. I'm I'm totally having a midlife crisis. Did you have one? <laughs> uh, I think I stayed kind of so intensely. Like my life just kind of kept churning over so quickly that I think now I'm at, might be having a. Oh, uh, okay. Crisis. You're having one now. Yeah, like now that my daughter's 12, you know, and like, I mean, because things were, you know, I didn't have time to have a midlife crisis. And like when I hit middle age, I was still like kind of a teenager. Yeah, but can't you just be like going through the motions as like a father and a family man to just be dead on the inside? Isn't that also a midlife crisis? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's called general parenting 101. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it steals a little bit of your soul, Betty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy to think sometimes, like that, when you're done with all like the really hard parenting work, then you just like uh, like start dying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like a weird one. But it's a weird one to swallow. But there's somebody there to to take to take care of you. Sure, it's very nice. <laughs> Because everybody's going to be in that same position, and some people might not have, right? You know, somebody yeah. to come look out for them. <laughs> this makes me think of Jade from Osa Osa. Because we did get deep in this conversation. Yeah, like this wasn't this wasn't fluff. We we got oh, into by no it. Means. We got into it. Um, I did. He's from Long Island, and I have an instinct always to like make fun of long island well it's because i'm raised by like proper new yorkers and even though i was from new jersey i had this you know irrational distaste for outer boroughs and new Jer- even new jersey because of it i in my elementary school i used to tell kids i was from new york even though i wasn't because yeah, my parents thought it was so cool and where i was <laughs> and i was this like philistine out in new jersey 
And as I've grown, I realize like Long Island and New Jersey are definitely more the same than different. Oh yeah, baby. And the thing, and you see the same kind of things that pop out of it because it's like these enclaves of middle class, you know, kind of areas that are so close to the city that like these interesting things like can bloom. It's like it's like having uh the access to city culture but then also having access to like a garage and parents oh, who buy you guitars. Absolutely. I you think know? if you I think if you you know I mean, that's just the thing is, yeah, I've lived in New York now for decades and, and obviously Jersey and Long Island are a long running joke, right? But the sure. truth is, if you look at the per capita of like where the most creative people have come from, at least in my experience, like that's where they're from, dude. Yeah. Like, and it's exactly what you're saying. Like they have a little bit of leeway and freedom to fucking stretch out, which, you know, as we know, is impossible living in New York City. Impossible. But they have access to yeah. fucking to. I mean, quick train to, right away. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I like kind of discovered punk rock. I grew up, and I grew up like not in the middle of fucking nowhere. I mean, I kind of grew up in the sticks, but it was in Massachusetts. I remember being angry and being like, "You mean this has been going on now?" For- oh, once you found <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, like because it was somebody so close. turned me onto the Clash, you know, like, and yeah. they were into like. Their third record by that point, I think, right. you know, and like, I was like, this has been happening. And I, I mean, I, I'd always kind of felt out of place amongst these fucking hillbillies that I grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> like, couldn't figure out why I didn't like classic rock, you know? Right, and, right, right. Um, what was like the band that people were, was it, that's why you hate Zeppelin, right? Cause when you were growing well, up. Well, that's the thing. I can listen to Zeppelin now. But that was like the cock rock dudes were yeah, Zeppelin yeah, fans. Yeah, absolutely. Back then. It's it's a but shame to hear. But it was far hear. worse, dude. There was like, yeah. I mean, there was kids listening to bands like Yes and Rush. Yes. Whoa, 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 whoa! Slow down. There is a big difference. Oh no, drummer here. No, no, no. There's a big difference between what we're ta- you're talking about two sort of revolutionary prog rock artists, and then Led Zeppelin. Like, like how are those in the I same? Know, even, I lumped them all together. How are those it was all the same, same umbrella. M- bunch of meatheads that were listening. You're to like anything without the if the singer doesn't have dreads. I just don't want to hear if it. If I man. can't count the time, one, two, three, four, I don't want to fucking hear it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you couldn't play it, motherfucker. That's, That's right. why. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we uh, get into this lovely interview with, with Jade from Oso Oso? He Let's was... do it. Hit play. Boom. It's going on. Yeah, it's weird. So I think like now it's gotten to a point where LeBron James and Tom Brady are like rich and powerful enough that they've been able to like tap into whatever the presidents have been using. Yeah. Like the last 30, 40 years. Well, well, how, how much do they say that he spends on like his body a year? Yeah. LeBron's, like, it, it, LeBron no, spends LeBron, like over like a million dollars. Well over. Yeah. 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 For like these systems he has in place. But he's literally about to shatter like every single like NBA record yeah. as far as like minutes and points, like oh, compilation he's, statistics. He's, he's going to break all of them in the next year or two, which is crazy. He's worth it, right? Hey, Brad, have you ever known uh, if you say Wilkes Bar, Wilkes Berry, or Wilkes? I would say Bar. bar. You say Wilkes, Wilkes bar, bar too? But I have no idea. I feel like there's been a time in my life I've been definitely yelled at for saying Wilkes Bar. Someone went, Wilkes Berry. 
and got like super worked up with me. Like when you go to Newark, Delaware, and they're like New Ark. That happens for real. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because yeah. I went. Newark. You know, when you're from New Jersey, you don't even say Newark. Like most yeah. people say Newark. Like it's just Nurk. this like weird. Like, hey, I'm from Newark. It's like Nolens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to to go down there, and they're like, no, 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 New Ark. <laughs> like it's one fucking word. That's just not what you do with that a. You need to capitalize that thing or separate Wait, it. You're the saying the locals say Newark. Yeah, in Delaware. I mean, whoever lives there that doesn't go to the college, I don't know who that is. <laughs> Wait, are we talking so, about Newark, New Jersey, or New... No, Newark, New Jersey is pronounced Nurk. Nurk. Yeah, there's no vowels or anything. It's basically N-W-R-K. Um, but yeah, when you go to Newark, Delaware, you're reprimanded for... Is it still spelled one the word. same way? One word? Yeah, it's the same shit. Wait, where is Newark, Delaware? It's like, I don't know, it's part of that 30 miles on 95 it's a between New Jersey state, and dude. Maryland, right? <laughs> I spent some time in, in Delaware. I've played at the University of Delaware. I got to play with Saves the Day when they were pushing a cassette tape at, uh, oh, really? at the University of Delaware. They had some weird like cafe lunchroom that yeah. you could play. And I was in a band called The Low End Theory at the time who, who played with them. And then they got a... Like, really successful and way bigger than us. I was really <laughs> jealous for a couple of years. And then I was like, oh, you guys are cool. Um, but yeah, I went through it. <laughs> I think that they still have shows in that same room. Oh, really? They got to play at that big cafeteria. Yeah, room. that cafeteria yeah, is still going. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I brought that up because, Jade, you just moved yes. from Wilkes. From Wilkes. Something. Bear. Yeah. That's, I was calling it Wilkes Bear. And I'm I was saying, like I was saying, I wasn't getting reprimanded for it, but the, the correct way is definitely. Barry. Wow. Oaks Barry. How long were you living there that you got away with that? A year. That's remarkable yeah. to me. It's really remarkable. <laughs> so how did you how did you make your way out there? Um, I just had a couple friends who lived out there. I was gonna move to like North Carolina or uh, Florida and then it just kinda fell through. So I just headed out over there. It was like were, super cheap. Yeah, yeah. And um Yeah. Were you like I, intentionally trying to get out of the New York area? Uh yeah. Just to just like change it up, switch it up. You know what I mean? Yeah, and try to pay to be a touring musician. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that helps. Yeah. So now you're in Philly. Yes, I, well, I just moved there like Friday. Friday. Really? Yeah. yeah still have like a bunch Everybody's of. Everybody's going Philly, right? Stuff. This is the place now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love Philly, but you know, it's I wouldn't have moved <laughs> there. Wait, what's the, was, yeah. what's the caveat? What's the caveat? I think it's great. I think it's great. <laughs> I wouldn't have moved to Philly when I was, you know. In that mode, which yeah. is twenty years ago, I would have. If you asked me last year, I wouldn't have moved to Philly. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to move to Philly. It's Philly or Nashville, right? How are you going to come to terms with? Uh, That'd be wild. With like Eagles fans, the Eagles fans that doesn't bother me is the Seventy Sixers fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I don't want to say this, but they're the fakest fans. Oh, yeah. They're they really go. the fakest fans, dude. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Do you remember when they were like years they ago when they were out. like 0 and 23 or 1 and 23 that year? They were, no one was there. They didn't trust the process. No was, dude, also, have you seen Warrior games lately? <sighs> They're out. Despicable. Luxury ticket. And you Despicable. know what's cool? Like, I'd say the narrative, what we're talking about, of when a team gets bad and the stadium getting empty and their fans abandoning them probably happens in, like, most cities to For most sure. fans. Yeah. You happen to be a fan 
of the one team that is it's always that is just, just packed die up. hard as fuck yeah. the New York Knicks For regardless sure. of what's going on yeah I but here's the thing I feel like if the, if like like Heat fans for example mm-hmm. like when they played the Spurs and they all left you know yeah, what I mean before right. like that Ray right. Allen shot they like owned it they were like yeah we left. Yeah. Thought it was over. Yeah. Philly fans, they Miami, I feel like we're going to eat. Yeah. The Sixer fans, I feel like they try to pretend that they were there. Yeah, for like those games, and it's like, dude. And then they're just ride or die. Yeah. when it happens and turn into your standard Philly yeah. fan. Yeah, yeah Eagles fans doesn't really bother me. I'm not too. I'm not too big into football so yeah. much, but yeah. it's more of a cultural thing for me. I like barely watch football anymore. Yeah, but there's some sort of like. I think it's even like, you know how you can like carry scars from like past lives and stuff? Yeah. I think something weird might have happened with like an Eagles fan because it's just, it's beyond, I don't give a shit about the Eagles or the Giants like that much to be upset. There's something about, I see that like bird on a shirt and I like, I just like <laughs> tense up a little bit. I just don't like feel great. Start steaming from the ears. Yeah. There's something, something might have happened. Back in the day. There's some teams that elicit emotional response. It used to be the Oakland Raiders, you know, that like, cause they had, they've always had the, a tough guy. Um, and now it's, now I think it's Philly. I think they've taken that. Oh yeah. They had the fan base. I mean, the Raiders are like, did they have anything crazier than those guys just looking like they were in Guar? <laughs> you know, like, was it much? Not more- in the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Like Philly fans do some crazy shit. Like, they spit on my brother when he was a little kid. Uh, seen some nasty stuff with, with that. That was at a football game? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. not cool. That's yeah. sad. It was bad. But then now I realize as an adult, looking back in retrospect, that like I went to a game last season and I'm like looking around and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is like a fucking step above NASCAR and like a small <laughs> step as far as like the cultural kind of just like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a small step. Yeah, like, so I'm, I'm looking around, and I'm like, oh, no shit, I saw all that dumb fucking trashy bullshit when I was a kid. Like, this makes perfect sense. I'm, like, looking around me, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. I didn't get it as a kid. I actually somehow managed to be like, oh, these guys are cool, you know? And it probably turned me into, like, half a trash bag, like, even yeah. going to those games and watching those dudes. It's like Yankees fans. I'm a Yankees fan, unfortunately, but they're, too. like, they're the shittiest. Oh, we're the worst. They're so bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> I, even though, I, I mean, it's the, no one could be the bigger heels than the Astros right now, at least. Right, yeah. At least. They, would they get caught cheating? Yeah, Something like, like that. a number they were of times. Signs. All sorts of crazy stuff, like like stealing signals with uh, cameras and <laughs> relaying it to batters, using like uh, uh, noise, like, like someone would hit a wall with a bat like before a pitch came to to tell the batter what kind of pitch it was. Oh, and, like, really? And, like, these weird what? tells and, like... And, and this was, like, a, an old-school kind of thing in baseball that people accepted the fact that there was sign-stealing. It was, like, kind of mm. a cool part of it. Like, the guy at second base sees what the catcher throws and tells the hitter. But now that, like, computers, Skynet's gotten involved, people are uh, yeah. up in arms. Isn't there something, too, don't they, like... Uh chest protectors or something they can like send <gasps> to the pitcher like so they don't have to do signs anymore they're talking about what like that's an what earpiece or something like yeah like they could press like they'll have like, like vi- have vibrates or something buttons in their chest protector and the pitcher i guess has something like in his ear huh. you know what i mean yeah and the catcher could just press it now oh. and it goes into like he wears like an ear uh, airpod or something that's what they're talking about to stop the sign stealing that's crazy talk. crazy 
this is that, that can work yeah why don't we just i mean it's getting to the point like you know it's getting to that point in baseball and especially with like instant replay right like mm-hmm. like we know more at home in two seconds yeah and you know anybody on the field right. knows about what actually just happened and it's leading to this kind of like technological analytical like look into sports it might just be a matter of time before it's like I developed this robot to like play your robot. In oh, <laughs> oh yeah, you know? that's gonna like, happen. But also, wasn't there a Hugh Jackman movie about I, that? that? Yeah. I think oh, yeah. that like oh, that they're something steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. gonna have to let the tech <laughs> take over. Like, like because where do you draw the line with tech? Like things like instant replay. Like they just need to make everything kind of reviewable. At, at this at some point, point, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I listen to people argue all the time about the. Um, you know, there, there's. It's just a matter of time before there's like robotic umpires in baseball calling well, balls and strikes. But also, and, you're going to have sensors in the balls so that you know, like, you, you're yeah, not like, going to have to call like well, out of bounds well, or that, touchdown. Yeah. Like, well, that's that's the next step is tennis style, right? Where it's like it's like you just see it on the video within ten seconds. The technology going. Is that in how and they out. have that when they replay it in tennis? Is yeah. it something in the ball? It is that's or something insane. on a quarter of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I never knew that. So that's Thought probably the tech just, that's gonna. Come I figured it was baseball. the color of the ball was keyed in or something. What? Yeah. What do you mean, like green screen type? Yeah, thing? like oh. it was it should track it. Well, you know more about. But stuff maybe like maybe that. it's in the ball. You're know. a really smart guy, though. You I haven't. I don't stuff follow like tennis, dude. I don't know. You're wiring. <laughs> you know, Brad is currently uh, uh, currently building the the Macy's window. Saks Fifth Avenue. Saks Fifth Avenue Christmas. I window. work for Ooh. Santa. How cool is that? That will. What what does that mean? It's building robots. the window, like I'm actually the, just installing it, but I help build those things. Hell yeah! It's like a like the seasonal things that gig. move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Pretty, See, that's sick. I don't know if you're talking about. It. it would still be sick if you were just talking about making the glass for the window. like he's making <laughs> no, this no, no, huge no. piece of glass. I, I work for <laughs> like I have a seasonal gig. I do that. I work for the company that does that stuff. How excited are for you to like just flex in front of your kids? Like bring your well, kids there and flex. <laughs> I just was the last week. I was in Toronto putting in these five windows that that were awesome. I think they're better than the Saks. Bring joy to children, Brad. And I want to. I couldn't. My (laughs) kids have to look at that on video, so I get to take them to Saks. I'm really happy for you. That's that's yeah. That's my. That's where I'm going, baby. I might take my kids. Tell them that <laughs> take him to that your new uncle Brad built <laughs> <laughs> Is that inappropriate? No, it's fine. <laughs> so, uh, what part of like Philly did you move to? Uh, East Germantown. Did you know a lot of people there? Like you moving in with crew? No or just idea. Going? No, That's I went cool, with my man. girlfriend. We went to like we saw like four or five different places, and then different yeah, neighborhoods. Just, like, um, or did you say like, did probably you think- two or three different neighborhoods? I would right. say, like, yeah, the the. Like one, it was like one dude kind of showing us. Like he had different complexes, so he was just kind of showing us all around. And um, like the first place that we were in, we were like, "This place is cool," and none of the other places topped it. So we were just like, all right. But did you like here. try to vet the neighborhood at all? Like no. figure out you just we, you just went in dry. Yeah, just I, like so it's New York style, Brad. That's hot. But you're from <laughs> I, 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 you're I from like New admire. York. You go anywhere in the world and just I figure it out, <laughs> sort it out. You know, that's how it works. Yeah, I mean, the only big jump I ever made like that was when I moved to L.A., but I had, like, three friends that lived in the neighborhood that I stayed in. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm 39 years in gone. New Jersey with about two, three years of homelessness mixed in there. <laughs> so 
I really, I couldn't even, I can't even tell you. Can't comment. Maybe someday you'll just pack up the family and move to yeah, Hudson Valley, baby. Let's go. Let's go breathe some air. Let's think of this. I know you're. Of these rat infested buildings. <laughs> Getting tired. We have dead rats all over my practice space now. We name them Warren D. Martini. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've seen his practice space. It looks like there would be dead rats. And so rats. now to know that there actually are is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, would you rather have dead rats or live rats? Uh, Good point. Dead rats are really smell. I like live. I'd prefer <laughs> live. Yeah, yeah, I would because the dead ones, they start to stink. Yeah, and that's so true. Funny ancillary story about this. I have, like, a really shady deal with, like, the landlord who owns this space. Essentially, it's, like, an old, probably Italian old-school realty company in Jersey City that handles the property. I pay a third-party company my rent. I don't even know who. Like, online or? No, I go to the office, but I don't. Pay cash? (laughs) No, I write a check, but I don't write a check to the place I'm going. Right. Um, And then, you know, but it's this kind of loose deal where it's, like, it's only a matter of time before this building becomes something else. Mm-hmm. If you push them too hard, they're just going to stop having musicians there. Right. Because they don't care that much. Yeah. So <laughs> recently, him solving the rat problem was bringing two electric rat traps down. I happened to see the guy when he came down bringing them. He's like, oh, good. Glad I saw you. Uh, you know, this is how they work. You turn on the light and set him here. I'm like, what does he thinking is going to happen here? I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> And then, like so a couple days later, or something. A couple days later, I walk into space. Some blinking lights, meaning dead rats inside of this thing. I text the guy. I'm like, "Hey, man, uh, looks like traps filled up." You know, just <laughs> telling you the person I pay for this space that that the rats are dead. They're in there, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, I'll send someone over." Two, three days, four days pass. Oh. No one <laughs> starting to smell. We see a tail popping out of one of them. That's the one we named Warren <laughs> D. Martini. And uh, and the other guy who splits the space texts him again, being like, hey, man, you know, think we'd do something about this. This is his response. He goes, hey, of all the grown men who use this space, no one could uh, empty a rat back out and then set it back for us? <laughs> <laughs> As he said, he, he literally challenged our manhood. Oh, my God. That's the way to do it. He challenged our manhood, you know? So hey, did you go back and empty out the rats? No, dude, I'm a savvy ass. I've been renting since I was She's 17. Saying, like, I'm not falling for that shit. Like, I'm not renting. Like, I'll fucking put it. I'll put the whole trap rat and toe, like, on their fucking reality steps before I dump that thing. But, <laughs> but you know, so I hope you don't run into this problem in your new yeah, adventures. Hopefully not. No, I mice. I'm all right with. I don't even. Yeah, they're kind of cool. Yeah, see mouse. I kind of like think a, of like romantic little things. Like I feel like sometimes I find my shit in my house, and but I like to think that they were like <laughs> down there wearing like nice clothes and like eating <laughs> eating cheese with mini silverware and stuff. Going through your cabinets trying to prepare a meal like, and stuff. Yeah, like, like that. just being like fun, <laughs> not being like dubious. That's kind of the way I view mice. Rats are they're a different story. Yeah, they're a little more. Rats are going to take over the world at some point. Like they're, are and they, they deserve it. They so. are. I just read an article. Actually, <laughs> I forget <laughs> which country it was. Somewhere, I believe in Southeast Asia, that had a. Um, they had uh, poisonous frogs mm-hmm. who had like taken over. They were like you know not indigenous to this area and had come and were killing native populations. Like like really messing up the area. And then these researchers were finding, like, frogs, like, surgically, like, cut apart in riverbanks in the morning. Like, and 
they did real research and found that the river rats now learned to basically make a cut in these frogs, pull out their gallbladders, which is where the poison lies, and eat around it. No way. This is real. <laughs> That's Look it incredible. Up. Rats are coming. All right. Be prepared. Be prepared. <laughs> Ideally, if it could be any other animal to take over the world, yeah. what would you rather have take over the world? Uh, it's a quick answer. For me. I've thought us? about this. I've thought about this. Sea turtles. I like it. They don't have fingers. It doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's about wisdom. And <laughs> I can't think of a wiser like animal than a sea turtle who's just been like slow rolling through the ocean <laughs> for like 150 years. Has seen so much shit. Things have come and gone. I think a sea turtle really understands the purpose of life. The ebb and flow. I do. What do you think? Did you say raccoons? I did not. I didn't say anything. I, just, I thought somebody said raccoons. It just popped in my head. <laughs> I said I want, fingers. <laughs> I want to see Which raccoons. You think raccoons? Yeah, I would love to see raccoons cool. take over the world. They would. They're clever. They're clever. They are clever. They could do yeah. it. They could definitely do it. But again, I'm back to this mice scenario where I'm, I don't know why I'm just envisioning them in like, the raccoons not as suits as much, but like flat caps. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like kind of like more like, like the peaky blinders, yeah, like, yeah, like, like that. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, they work like some are kind of dingy steam pipes. That's kind of their deal. Yeah, maybe it's like the black of their eyes, like soot. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you're like, do you do you write a lot at home? Like when you were looking for places, do you look for like somewhere with like a side room or like somewhere where you can like set up for stuff like that? No. I, w- I wish I put that much thought into anything. <laughs> I just, like, what ha- what happened was that uh, we just did, like, a tour, and we came home, and, um, like, since August or September, I was planning to move, uh, like, around this time. And where were you then? Uh, in in, in Wilshire. Okay. Yeah, and, um, and then, like, so we were leaving for another tour in December, and, like, we got that tour when we were on tour in September, so I was like, oh, shit, I have to make this happen in, like, a couple weeks. Okay. So it was just kind of, like, fast track. More matter everything. of necessity. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like for, um, I mean, in Wilkes-Barre, I, had, I just wrote in my bedroom mm-hmm. a lot. And then uh, I grew up in Long Beach. And right. I used to, that was, like, more, I lived with my parents. Mm-hmm. So I would just, like, try and go out and find places to write, whether it be, like, at, like, a practice space or, like, by the boardwalk stuff like that that's cool yeah so you like you find you can focus a little better like out of the house sometimes yeah i just get so like it's like i can't really write around people or like hmm. like play guitar like not really confident right playing guitar or, like writing something that is, isn't like i don't know what i'm playing at in front of people you know gotcha yeah, yeah. yeah. what's your pro- like do you start with um how do you start with a song you start with guitar you start uh, with melody like. different it's different stuff every time sometimes like the last album a lot of the songs came in like the choruses kind of like came in my head like a phrase here like the melody for the chorus and then i would take that to guitar and then um i'll just like play around with guitar for like a couple hours and have like cut like riffs kind of mm-hmm. i would say that, like maybe like say if i have like three or four riffs and then like just put them in my phone and then go from like having that chorus and then try and see what like riff is in that key and like kind of build it around like that but um 
feel like every song it kind of or every album at least has definitely been way different in terms of like like writing the songs and like how they came together what, what was like for passing a glow what was like your demo process like like how do you go from like step one the to completing to, it and then like sending it to whoever's gonna play and stuff how's that work uh so like so for that album um aaron who who plays drums in oso mm-hmm. he just like left this kick drum at my house i feel, <laughs> I don't even know how it ended up there it's crazy <laughs> I've but had kick drums. I've had, yeah, like a I've had kick drums. Kick drum, you know? Yeah, someone calls me like, "Do you know you have this?" Ki-? I'm like, "That's where the fuck that yeah. kid is." Yeah, this <laughs> happened to me actually. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was just in his car and he needed room yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. so he just like left it there. Yeah. Um, so it's when every drummer starts living out of a storage space once in their life. Uh, they have loose parts <laughs> to the friends' houses. Yeah, and uh, and I just have like this. I took a paper towel, uh, and I like pretty much just like use the paper towel as like the kick like oh, with cool. like kick drum like this the uh the skins like this yes yeah, so you're going like, marching like, band style. like kind of like that like yeah. and clapped on the wood for like the drums so it was like the drums were like super simple and then just did acoustic and uh like clean lead and stuff like that but like for the for the last album i think i only got done with like four demos all the way through uh-huh and then uh Cause like all the, I mean, most of the guitar leads I wrote while we were like recording. Gotcha. Um, yeah, as I've gotten older, I feel like I've like have written way less consistently. Like uh-huh. I used to just be writing all the time, and then like with this album, it was kind of like snuck up on me. It's like yeah. it's time to record, and I had like about like maybe twelve not finished songs. Wow. Like, all right, we got to wrap this up. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah. Me and uh, Aaron, who plays drums on the record, like we went into a practice space, like literally the night before uh, tracking drums. But we had three days to track drums, cool. so it was kind of like you know we had like room to work with there. Um, and we just like finished, like just went over it, made sure we had all the skeletons and stuff like that. Why? Why did you wind up with like those time constraints? Was it like a label studio thing or like? Um, it triple, was. Con- it, I think being, it was. It was a uh, big time. Well, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Like, uh, Mike, who we were recording with, I think They're he had guys. like They're some kind of like project coming up, so he could only do it in that given uh, time gotcha. frame. Okay, um, and I think they like wanted to get the record out before summer, so it was either do it then or like not be able to do that. So, right? Yeah, I heard you say in some in a different interview, I think that um, that you almost like had to take the turn for this record to be a little less personal. And a little more abstract, but kind of not intentionally, just because you didn't have as much time to like look into it. Is is that the maybe, way I heard that? Uh, I feel like it was maybe the opposite. Oh, it was okay. like a little bit less abstract because like I like all the other stuff I've written has oh, kind of been like inspired by something like right, right, like right. the record before uh, the last one, Unihon mixtape. Mm-hmm. Like that was I read this book, Thumbsucker. Oh, yeah. um and i was just like this is fucking amazing right. and like it kind of like it was like i want to write an album that's like this book and like huh. kind of like that was like spawned a huge uh just like inspiration streak or whatever cool. for me um, is that something like if if someone went back who knows that record and read that book could you like piece some of the like I kind think, of themes or stories yeah together? there's a couple lines uh who wrote that book Thumbsucker. i think it's walter kern 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Cool. Um, there's a movie, but the movie that like doesn't even no bueno. you couldn't fit it in like 90 minutes. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, not a bad movie though. Pretty entertaining. Sure. Um, but yeah, so this record, I think it just I didn't really have time to like get inspired by something like that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I I think it just ended up being more personal because of that. Sure. Um, like just a little more heart in your sleeve. You didn't have a chance to like yeah fuck with it as much. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, but into I think the abstract thing might have come from because Mike, uh, who recorded it, would send me like just like weird shit like youtube videos that are like two minutes long or like uh-huh. movie trailers and stuff like that it just sounds that, like soundscape like, type stuff yeah or? just like different or even like just even just like a straight up movie trailer and like kind of let that like try and like inspire me in some way and stuff like that so that's where i feel like the inspiration was a bit more abstract but definitely it's definitely way more personal than the other stuff that's cool. that i've done before for sure. how do you feel like 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 exposing you know, it, it's something I, I think a lot of the newer artists are so like so raw in the way that they kind of really expose your emotions and the way you're feeling about something in a very mm-hmm. like real way. I would add you as you know part of that. And like, I always wonder, you know, as a as a drummer, I never had to suffer the effects of like the court of public opinion as much as someone who's connected to the words, you know, like it's kind of a different story. For sure. Like, have you felt any like, like personal reaction to that? Like where you've had to add a defense or open yourself up more or like something? A million percent. Yeah. For sure. I feel like, yeah, even like, it's weird. Like the more, um, the more people listen to the band, it's just way more anxiety inducing. Right. But it's like not, I'm not like complaining about it because obviously, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like you want more people to yeah, listen course. to it and stuff like that. But I definitely feel uh, like I'm still trying to figure out defense mechanisms and stuff like that all the time to kind of like keep me from like getting too involved in like reading stuff and yeah. you know what I mean? Stuff sure. like that. Um, because, yeah, when you start sure, putting out yeah. emotion out there, like, someone, it's not like, oh, we don't like your music. It's like, maybe we don't like you. Right, yeah. Which is strange, right? Yeah, and, and for then, sure. Like, and then uh, some people react to it in a way where you're like, oh, my God, I don't want to tell anyone anything anymore. Right. Some people react in a way like, yo, fuck you, I don't even know you, man. Like, <laughs> the fuck you saying about me? You know? Like, yeah, like, I like, try to do that shit in, <laughs> in my... Uh, we're in my quarters. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it out try there. Try not to get, yeah. I feel don't like read if I, it. Just don't read it. Yeah. I believe in like a but Wu-Tang fun, reaction I've, every once in a while. It can kind of like drive you too. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. It can if you allow but it the people to that, not overcome you. They have no, they have no stake in the game, these folks that are commenting on your... Well, their stake in the game is to piss you off. Yeah. That's actually good for them. That, yeah. that means more people read the review and yeah. you know grab a link or right, whatever happens so. now. Yeah, they're trying to like that's like was like the whole fucking pitchfork model. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like like literally like like let's arbitrarily just destroy this band. Yeah, so more people will like, click on it and enjoy this article. That was literally their fucking clickbait yeah, model, right. you know. And with that, it's like so polarizing where it's going to go. It's either going to go. They're going to tear you up. 
You know what I mean? You're going to be like, oh, fuck. Or they're going to be like, this is cool. This is good. Uh-huh. And then everyone's going to be like, y'all are stupid for thinking that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like a no-win situation. But, yeah, I don't know. It, does, it, 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 um, I don't want to say it doesn't bother me, but I just feel like I'm figuring out, like, different defenses to it all the time and stuff like that. And there's What's definitely, something you've, like, noticed you started doing or using? Um, I used to... Dude, I used to be way more active in, like, social media and stuff like that. I used to all the time just, like, tweet whatever I was yeah, thinking. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes, too, I'm like, is that just because of, like... Like, I used to work a lot of jobs where I just worked by myself, whether it be, like, delivering food or, like, I worked at this dairy barn. So stuff like that. So I feel like having, like, 40 hours a week where you're by yourself, bored, like, doing whatever job, like, you're just yeah. like, I'm just going to tweet this out, like, right, or, like, right. tweet this joke out or yeah. stuff like that. And just I was looking like, for some like, like social activity, like right? Yeah, yeah, just tweet whatever or like post whatever. Mm-hmm. And like now, I feel like I don't do that at all because I'm right. just like, oh man, I want people to think I'm yeah. fucking stupid or like, you know sure. what I mean? I mean, there's some like, truth to that. I mean, more and more people pay attention. Like it's like, you know, that's why you know people in the public eye keep getting caught for shit they wrote in like 2012 on Twitter right. when they imagined nobody was ever gonna look at their gonna fucking Twitter. At, uh, you know? For sure. That happened to me. I accidentally made fun of the killers once. <laughs> and then, like, a million years later, got, like, asked to open for the killers. And, like, <laughs> and like that came back to me. Like, those yeah. guys were like, you said something about us once. I'm like, yo. That was, like, before, like, the realm... I'm like, I'm like, you were like, you're like the Beach how Boys fucking room. I'm like, how that? did that... I'm like, no. I'm like, there's no way. What'd you say about the killers? I caught... <laughs> I, I use the word corn dicks, which was strange because, like, it's not even like one of my lines, you know, it was the weirdest thing. It came back to me. And then when it came back to me, you know, I told the guys, I'm like, yo, I'm so willing to get ahead of this and just eat crow. Cause, like, you know, I'm like, I'll write an email. I'll be like, yeah, that was stupid. My fault. No problem. It was me. Like, I'll take it however. And it turns out no one really cared because it was the drummer who said it anyway. So upside, <laughs> these are the things I don't have to deal with. You know what I mean? That you, I still get that like kind of liberty. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can be like Xavier McDaniel. You, you got to be like, you got to be like the thing. You know? Yeah. But people connect. You know, there is like a blessing and a curse to that. I've seen it a lot. I mean, it's like you're gonna be the main focus of the vitriol of the love. Of like all of it, I can't even stop thinking about like it's like one thing if you call, if you're like this band seems like a bunch of assholes and then you got to be like hey dude did you call me an asshole yeah. but if you're like hey did you <laughs> call me a corn dick what does that even <laughs> mean <laughs> 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 it's just confusing it's like, more than anything I know <laughs> I know it's one of those things I'm like I've talked like a lot of shit in my life so it's like <laughs> so it's like one of those things I hear come back I'm like no I didn't say it. Did I fucking say that? Like, at some point, was I hot about some, like, weird video or, like, something that just made me mad? Yeah, it's it's tricky. It's funny how that works, too, with, like, Twitter and stuff like that. Because it can just be a passing thought for just a second. You know, know what I mean? It's scary. Like, yeah. I mean, really, like, anyone who doesn't want, like, you should just be off that stuff. It's like a strange yeah. tie, right? But For sure. But it's it's bizarre, like, the amount of social capital, like, you actually need that. For sure, you need it to promote your and shit. it's you it's like, like, dude, I would be lying to say, tr- like, also, it's like, it's nice to go on there and read some of the things that people will say to you. Mm. I think when you start looking for what people are saying, 
like about you right, that's right. not yeah, to you sure, or whatever, then you sure. get in trouble and you're like, oh man, what? You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. start doubting yourself or whatever. But like, right. the and stuff I, that people yeah. write to you, you're like, okay, it's nice little pick me up, a little bit of validation. Sure. You know and that's I mean? the beauty like, of it, right? Is like you, you can actually manage to have direct engagement with people, with people who are you yet. into. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to write like a fan letter. You can actually hit up someone and decide to be accessible to your fans, yeah. which is huge. And right. people love that. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, I don't know if you heard about this Taylor Swift debacle going on. No. Where essentially, so, like, the short of it is that the label that she recorded and released, like, her first six albums called, like, Big Machine Records was, like, swallowed up by a hedge fund. You know okay. what I mean? And, like, basically now own Taylor Swift's masters, which she can't do anything about. And she publicly went on the offensive against, like, all these people. And I don't know what the Taylor's... Taylor Swift Army is called. I'm sure they have a name online. I don't know Swift what it is. Nation. Yeah, Swift Nation. Or something. <laughs> Swiftly came about and, you know, started like, you know, and now this management office, the label like had to like shut down because they were getting like threats from Taylor Swift fans and stuff. What? So it's like this so whole... T- so she, she kind of jumped out and said, explained what was happening? She explained like... what was happening and basically, you know, that this company was... Never gave her a chance to buy her master's back, Mm -hmm. which legally they don't have to. But I guess her, um, you know, her defense to that was she had such a close relationship with the people that they should have. And I think that's what she was like, seems like she was offended about, even though there might not be legal recourse. So she took to social media, which like, you know, you know, the people in the position, like the label and stuff were like, you know, we could have dealt with this behind closed doors and like adult meetings and like. And I found it, like, kind of similar to, like, what's going on in sports with, like, player empowerment, Mm -hmm. where, like, the interesting thing about social media is, like, who has the power now that these people can speak? Right. You know, like, Taylor Swift decides to make a statement on it, and, like, 10 million people react to it and this and that. Even though they own the Masters, it's kind of giving, like, transparency to, like, a dark side of the industry that maybe people didn't know about. And just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. And it's mm-hmm. the same way like LeBron uses it, you know, like every team knows damn well now that LeBron is worth half a billion dollars to any team he steps onto the court with every right. single year. And he uses that to his advantage now by social media and by empowering other players and doing this stuff. So that's what's going on with Taylor Swift. But the interesting thing about it was, you know, someone who comes out of our world understand something about like owning your own material and like putting yourself out and you self-released your second album i did right and like yeah yeah, and i was wondering you know now that you who put out the first record so the first record was uh a friend mike carino Uh put it out um that and that was like kind of just like a handshake deal type thing like we wrote it out in email and stuff like that then the second record we put out uh, put out our se- we put it out ourselves. Had friends press the vinyl and stuff like that. But we actually ended up giving that to Triple Crown. Oh, okay. So yeah, cool. So, yeah. But at the time, though, like you know, I know you basically just were like, "I have the record, I recorded it, and I don't want to wait anymore, mm-hmm. right? And I just want to get this out there because I believe in it and think it'll do something for sure." Like, you know, I wish more people did that especially on a smaller level. Because, yeah. like, what's the point of 
giving up your masters at like such a young age. It's crazy. For sure. Um, I think even at that time, though, I don't think I even thought about like I wasn't even as well versed in right. knowing stuff like that. It's more what, as I did. Of it was yeah. For I mean, for at that time, it was kind of like I have this album. I think that this is like the best. Like I was super excited, uh, and I was just like, I think this is like leagues beyond like anything I've ever done before, and nobody really wants to put this out. So if a small label does put it out and then we wait like months for vinyl right. or whatever, it's going to yeah. get lost in the mix. Sure. And I was just kind of like, at the time it was like, it was January and I was like, well, we could kind of try and get in before all these. Cause yeah. I feel like a lot of labels put out stuff in like February yeah, or they're the spring. All fucking, they take they're the, going for like their album of the, the year. Industry vacation. You know what yeah. I mean? So I was just like, I feel like this is like the best time yeah. to just try and get it out there and just like put it out for free. And like, Hopefully, that'll do well. I mean, even dude, at that time, I was like, kind of, I was just like, man, I'm going to just like put out a shit ton of music. And I thought it was going to be like way less of a touring thing. Right, 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 right. And um, yeah, now it feels like the opposite now. Right. I feel like it's touring a bunch and not putting out as yeah, much. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, you have to work the record. Yeah. Did you, you just got back from Europe? Or? Yeah. Is that your first time? Uh, first time with... Oh, so, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, I filled in for a friend's band um, like two years ago and then went to, uh, like, just for, like, fun, went to Greece and, like, nice. Budapest That's like, cool. this past year. So yeah. where did you go on this last tour? Uh, this last tour was, like, mainland Europe and then the UK, like, about a week in the UK. How'd it go? It was the U... So Europe was, like... Europe was sick. It was about, like... The shows were super small, like maybe like 30 people, stuff like that. Um, touring Europe is like weird. I feel like I would just rather just be there, like <laughs> checking stuff out. You know what yeah. I mean? Because like sitting, I don't know, getting it, it getting dark early, like sitting in a car all day. It's just like a bit of a bummer. But the UK shows were like some of my favorite shows that we've ever played in my entire life. Like, nice. Yeah, it was well worth it. Like, Were you doing them with, like, with local people um, so we went out with his band Prince Daddy and the Hyena, mm-hmm. uh, who like we did our first U.S. tour, nice. um, and so we were just like, oh, let's try and do Europe together too. That's like, cool. you know. So that was pretty sweet. It's always nice when you just like go out with people you already know too. Yeah, I think I think it really made the tour like such a ever made everything like really cool. Yeah, yeah. Know? When you're in mainland Europe, did you get a lot of like mystery stew and stuff at the venues? Um. <laughs> I think there was one thing in Switzerland that I ate that I didn't really know what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's about it. No euro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder, are the days of euro mist? You must have a lot of euro mysteries. I never toured Europe. You didn't? Never. Oh. I can't. I unfortunately. It's just when you're in like Italy and like some giant bucket comes out, twenty people with <laughs> one right. single dread on the back of their head, <laughs> just fucking up these bowls with something. <laughs> Hot. It's got some spice, some veggies in there. I don't know. It's good. These are always really good bread you dip into it. Though. Yeah. You know, that's the they do bread over there. Europe just ruined bread, cheese, and coffee for me. Yeah. It's never the same. Um, I do, I like the self releasing thing. I want to get back to you real fast just because, mm-hmm. in, in your experience with that, is there anything like a, a do or don't involved in that process that you could maybe like tell? Um, a younger band or something or any band really like 
at this point mostly do <laughs> just straight up do i feel like i feel like it's the right thing to do for so many bands because a lot of times i feel like for for smaller labels they're not really it's like why are you giving people ownership to put something on spotify yeah when you can you know what i mean you could mm-hmm. just do that you could just do it with like distro kit or whatever you know yep, what i mean yep. Um, so what's on like DistroKit? Like explain that to like people who don't. So DistroKit is. is just like you sign up for it, and it's about like they give you like a flat rate for a year, and then they just give you your like your Spotify royalties and stuff like right, that. Right. Um, but I also I also understand the fact of like why record labels exist and like what they have to offer. You sure. know what I mean? And it's like if there's certain things that I know like. I'll like I'll never ever be able to just be like oh I have ten grand like I'm gonna just drop this on a record you know what I mean or never ever imagined myself being in a position like that to do that so like but I also really wanted like this last record was the first time that I ever recorded like in an actual like studio and Mm -hmm. I was just like I wanted I want to be able to do that I want to give myself like like the opportunity to do that um, was way more like of a priority than it was like how much will i make off this or how much you know what i mean and um i'm kind of like with music for me like it's mostly just kind of been like all right let's just like do the ride like take you know what i mean like do it to like the wheels fall off and just see where it takes me and like if i look back and go oh shit like i could have made money off that like one day like maybe i'll do that but it's like i don't know it's it's you have to really decide what what's important to you because like to keep a DIY or like a more DIY centered career mm-hmm. I think could be like more sustainable and you could actually see yourself like making like a decent living and being able to pay your rent and stuff yeah. like that but for me um in terms of music it's like never really been my like number one priority like i've always kind of just wanted to just see like how crazy can this get like (laughs) you know what i mean like who like could we play with this band or can i like record with this person or can i like you know what i mean like stuff like that to me is just like is like super uh exciting and like Mm. enticing and like uh yeah i mean maybe one day i'll look back and be like oh shit maybe i should have did this differently or did this differently and like cashed out but i've always like i've always kind of had the mindset of like all right well one day i'm not going to be doing this and i have to kind of figure out something else to you know what i mean yeah yeah i i could definitely understand what you're saying and i think it's a good way to look at it because if you can manage to pull a little bit of that pressure off that you're living and dying with every note or every show right. or something like that you'll probably manage to enjoy the ride a little better yeah you know which is in the end more important than finding maybe a little bit more success or something mm-hmm. like i do think that those people who are just like so honed into like every detail and who are like business crazy and social media crazy and doing this stuff like they probably are helping themselves for sure but they might be driving themselves fucking nuts at right. the same and time that's, so you know, and like it's like off. i mean it's it's really it's like everybody's different it's it's sure goes with what's important to you you know yeah, what i yeah. mean some people are like i love playing music i want to do that and make sure i never have to work another job ever again in my life and mm-hmm. like this is the best way i could do this you know what i mean um 
and that's just it's never been never been like that for me whereas i've just wanted to like play music like I, i'll be playing music no matter what sure you know what i yeah. mean so if i can do it as like a career that's fucking so sick yeah, yeah. It, you know what i mean and if i can't then i want to try and do some crazy shit yeah, you know cool. like but that's the added that's the added you well so you well do music because people that go into it thinking like ah, this seems like a good way to make money and they're not successful like, yeah right. that's the core fucking value you have to have is for sure i'm gonna do this no matter what and then you will you know yeah i mean it ties into like i i heard a quote i don't know if it was a song lyric or just a quote by you but like you said something about being radically committed to letting the light in mm-hmm. which i thought was really cool and kind of ties into this like um like what do you do in a like a daily practice like in your day like you wake up yeah, I think about this. I have like sort of a morbid way of doing it. Sometimes I think of like a bunch of awful shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'll think of like people who died young, like people who something fucked up happened to, and then it drives me in a way where I'm like, well, at least I'm still here and healthy, and I should like feel good about it. Right. But that comes from like sometimes I'm looking for maybe like a brighter place to draw the inspiration draw- from. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, so how do like when you wake up? Like, how do you? How do you like convince yourself of of something like sure. that? Like being co- committed to, to, to letting letting that only positive in. things around. Like, um, so so so, I mean, this is like a conversation that I had uh, one time was about. It's it's like I think my girlfriend was like referencing somebody who like I I have no idea who it is like right, right now. So like, but if somebody listening to this knows who it is, like a philosopher or something like that. Huh. And basically the idea is that like every moment that you exist in is perfect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the things like like that morbidness or that insecurity or that doubt or um, just stuff like that is what takes away from that perfection. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, so for me, how I try to view it is like every moment is already perfect, right? What can I do to contribute to this and not uh take away from it i see you know what i mean like because that like for like anxiety stuff like that that shit just takes away from what's already there what's already perfect you know what i mean so and you can manage to do that even in like an imperfect scenario like like a scenario involving like trauma or something like weird going for sure yeah well well in the sense that every moment is perfect is that everything is is perfect like it is what it's supposed to be gotcha you know what i mean so um do you believe in like a predetermination with stuff like that or it's just all nah. unfolding in a yeah and i don't per- i don't personally i don't know if people who subscribe to like that philosopher if that's part of it you know what i mean right but uh i don't i don't believe in like predetermination or anything like that um were you raised with any faith yeah yeah just like uh irish catholic okay it's so, like um you got some guilt yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went to Catholic school, uh, like my whole okay. childhood. Yeah, stuff and your, like that. And but your mom was a your mom was a a teacher in a Catholic school too. She was a, a teacher's assistant. Okay. Yeah, so she was like, she would like help out with like the art class and stuff like that. Um, she still does that. She do, she works with like a kindergarten. Cool. Uh, yeah, but she she's not really like. I think it was just a, a thing of like they just wanted us to go to that school and like 
gotcha morals and stuff like that they're not really like religious like i don't know if they really subscribe to like the faith or anything like Mm -hmm. that i don't know she shouldn't say that she still works there but Ah. yeah you know (laughs) i don't know what's our I don't think we're getting many streams from like the Covenant audience <laughs> at this point. What, you see the numbers, Brad. I don't. What's, what's, uh, don't break it down by nuns face. between fifty and seventy. What's our demo on that? Nuns on their, on their Jesus pod. <laughs> I mean, like, Horowitz. Ew. <laughs> As someone who's not a big fan of you know organized religion, you have to say that you can get a good education from the from the Catholic. Church. Sure, they, sure. Do, they don't deny science like some other uh, people. I'll fuck with a Jesuit, maybe. Kind of cool. <laughs> They're better. I mean, it is a good way I'll to get it. I'll fuck with the Jesuit. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's funny though. Like, and uh, I don't know if you found this the same. I feel like the people I know who went through the Catholic school system often seem to be not the ones who are like the most opposed to it. But the ones most sure that it isn't true, yeah, for sure. Which is interesting. Like, like not get in on the inside. Yeah, yeah. like they don't always walk away like hating it, but they seem to have like a more well versed version of faith right. than someone who is raised like for blindly sure. atheistic or something does. Like, because it still opens up that window to that. There's just something more than what we're dealing with here, and if you can convince yourself of that, then you can determine your own faith. You know. Like, my father just told me too early that, like, people die and rot and nothing happens. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I almost wish, like, <laughs> you know, like, like somebody at some Less point was like, no, 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 like, there's, there's like a stairway somewhere else if you choose Listen, to go Betty, there. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this truth on your third birthday oh my today. God. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> this is called pulling the band-aid, Someday kid. You will I'm from the Bronx. rot. And you're from <laughs> Central Jersey. I need to harden you up. That was what was going on. It was brutal. It was brutal. Um, that is a little brutal. But I heard, so, <laughs> there's some funny, like, I heard you talk about how Long, like, you're from Long Beach in Long Island, mm-hmm. right? You surf? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. But, but I heard you well. say that it's kind of like, um, like, culturally detached from the rest of long island a little bit like how yeah you mean by i mean that? growing up like that was like it was like we're not long island we're long beach like it was just uh, it was different i don't know kids from long beach like we wouldn't really like i feel like kids on long island would go hang out with each other and i kind of and i kind of like got into that once i was like 18 or 17 and like started like driving and like right. going to shows and stuff like that mm-hmm. Um, but Long Beach kids were just like all like had bikes and we would just kind of hang out in Long Beach and that was like pretty much it really. Um, does it have like a kind of like beach community vibe or, um, a little bit. Yeah. You seem to have like like, a nice slow roll about you. Yeah. I think that was a bunch of weed. For like, yeah, <laughs> like just 10 years of chronic <laughs> weed smoking. Um, but it's, it's like a, it's like a small city, I would say. It's like gotcha. a small city and it looks like kind of like it's trying to like impersonate California hmm. a little bit, Pretty you cool. know? Um, but yeah, so it's, it's not so much, uh, like a beach community vibe as it is. It's like a bar town. Oh, that's I how, see. like, that's how I would describe it. It's like sure. you have like, 
residential area and then when you get into like the commerce of stuff it's like just mostly bars right, right. So, bars and restaurants stuff like that you got that cold cheese slice no that's long island no thing, that's, right? that's all the way yeah i think that's like you know about something. this no i don't know they, they take they take a hot slice of pizza nice hot slice of pizza and then just dump a pile of cold cheese on top and let it like melt down as you eat it pretty fucking good actually yeah you're not into it not into it over cheese oh yeah i'm over, over cheese yeah yeah i think but the place that does it is it little there's like a place little vincent's or something yeah, it's that like place that. next to the paramount, By the paramount? Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. place is great though it's the pizza serious. the pizza is really good for sure but, I, had a, I had a sound guy from long island who just wouldn't shut the fuck up about it for like a month <laughs> oh, you, oh my god you gotta fucking try this you gotta fucking Cold try cheese. this benny yeah, jersey benny come on you gotta fucking try this <laughs> now this guy moved to jersey it's the best Kill him for it. I'd kill him for it. Um, you were a uh, a camp counselor. Yes. So was I. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. What was the vibe? Uh, it was sick. Where was the camp? It was, it was in Long Beach. Oh. Yeah. What age kids? Uh, my group was five to seven. Oh, it's so fun, isn't it? Perfect age. It's perfect age. Yeah. Especially in the summer. Yeah, and then because once they get to like ten, twelve, like they all just want to fight. They just yeah. want to do Fight Club every day. Right. Yeah, dude, and that's like the worst group to have because then kids are going home with like black eyes and the parents come in and they're like, are you letting my kid like get beat up? What kind of camp was this, man? (laughs) Fight club. Dude, it was like a thing, man. We have children. Both of us are like, Jesus. Yeah, we're not (laughs) finding what this camp is. I'm not going there. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was cool. What, What age did you... About the same. Okay. Yeah, about the same. Yeah. Like, yeah, like five to eight. Like, cool. so much fun. It was it, was it, our, ours wasn't like a sleepaway camp or anything? No, like, mine either. Like, mine was actually kind of like a rich kid one. It was on the, okay. the campus of like a private high school. Okay. And it cost like a pretty good amount of dough to like send your kids there. But I had a friend <laughs> who like, it was actually like a Jew, like it was 50% Jewish too, at least. And my friend, Mike Greenstein, got me the job there. You piece that together. And, uh, <laughs> But, like, so a lot of the kids who worked there were, like, like, I've always been a little out of the box of your, like, standard Jewish kid, you know? Right. So I was, like, an anomaly there. They're, like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, you have long hair and tattoos, and you're, like, in a... And most of them were, like, ah, I'm, yeah, I'm a freshman at Marist. And like, you know? <laughs> so I definitely, like... I felt super cool at that place, like, <laughs> like pretty subversive, you know. I was like the real alternative guy. I started dating the lifeguard. Uh, <laughs> dude, you wound up being my first love. This sounds my like a summer dream. movie. Yeah, it sounds like a mm. summer loving too. <laughs> it does I can't pull it off? You Were never there any movie moments at your camp? No, dude. There's two. The only like the only two stories I remember from that is uh. Some some counselor hit this kid with like a dodgeball in the face or something, Ooh. and I was just like, they're all walking out. This is like the one moment in my life was the biggest snitch ever. They're all <laughs> just sitting in the like in the hallway, and like the head counselor dude is like, "Who did it? <clears throat> all this stuff." And I'm just walking by, and I'm like, "What are you guys talking about?" And they're like, "Oh, somebody threw a ball at the kid." And I was like, "Oh, it was Keegan. Peace. I'm out. See you guys <laughs> oh! tomorrow." <laughs> Fuck so I remember you, that, and that was that was like hilarious to me. Uh, <laughs> Yo, you're gonna drop Keegan into a song. <laughs> Yo, and I then, saw uh, you, Keegan. And then another time was we had like we had our kids doing like American Idol, and they were just like singing. Um, they did like. Uh, do you ever see Step Brothers? 
course you know like the opera songs oh, like the yeah. famous opera song sure. at the end that Boats they do yeah. yeah like the <laughs> but it's a real oh, yeah, yeah yeah that one we had like our uh our kids did that for like their like show i feel like and as three musicians turned, like, we, around. we should know the name of that piece it's very famous. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. A voltaire i definitely should have referenced it as the thing from step brothers <laughs> that's yeah. like so that's disrespectful Hey, yeah. However you get exposed to the arts is fine. There's someone from 300 <laughs> years ago right now flipping to... Uh, yeah. what? what the fuck? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, uh, I bet they didn't sound like that. They were probably Maybe Italian if they saw the movie, about. they would feel differently. It is brilliant. <laughs> it is a brilliant film. Um, so, I, for the first time, I, I posed a fan question <laughs> for you. So, this came from Kevin O'Brien... Okay. I'm a fan of yours from Waterloo, Ontario. Okay. I don't know. So you got people in Canada. Uh, he says, as a Raptors fan, I know what it's like going from a joke organization to being the champs. <laughs> Does Jade think that will ever, ever in caps, happen for the Knicks oh, while James Dolan man. is the owner? Oh. Oh. <laughs> that's that's such a loaded question because what happened in Toronto is like super interesting. It's it an, it's, it's a complete anomaly. That's true. You know what I mean? That's you true. have like Dwayne Casey and uh Ujiri kind of building this whole this team up year after year. You had somebody who was actually down to stay with Demar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who was like I want to be the best raptor ever. Sure. You know what yeah, I mean? Totally committed. Um but clearly could not get like the job done like their solution to that was like have him shoot more threes, and that was not, not his game, yeah, you know. Not a good look. So they traded him for Kawhi, which is that. It's it's just so rare that stuff like that happens. Yeah, that Ka- was kind of an like, anomaly. Sure, Kawhi Leonard will never have a contract again where he could get traded to a team that he doesn't want to. go Of course to. not. No, of you know what not. I mean. Yeah, like yeah, so, yeah. that's like, and I think like you were talking before, which is like the most interesting thing about the NBA is those players have taken, like, complete ownership of Absolutely. that league. There's not another sport like that where yep. they realize, like, we are the brand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's, like, with football, baseball, that's not necessarily... The teams are, like, the brand. Certainly. You know what I yeah, mean? And certainly. it's way different with the NBA now. Sure. Um, dude, I think the Knicks could do that with James Dolan. In terms of get like a big free agent signing, like the stuff that they thought was going mean, to happen this summer, I think the question poses would be: I mean, what happened to Toronto was getting over the hump. Right, it was winning. So I think the real question is like simply: Will the Knicks win a championship with James Dolan as owner? They could. Okay, I think they could. Right. That's probably optimistic of me to say, <laughs> but it definitely won't happen the same way that Toronto needed needed one more piece, sure. and they were able to get that piece. I don't think the Knicks will get like that. Would a big, be the Knicks like two, three years from now, who have yeah. a really nice, developed core right. that adds that exactly. complimentary it's, piece if, to bring if them the over. Knicks are a championship team, it's going to be with like the people who are like in the organization, the players that are in the organization sure. now. You know what I mean? Like Knox, Frank. Uh, R.J. Barrett. Yeah, it's looking nice. You know, R.J. Barrett it's looks looking great. Like a cornerstone. He looks great. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the one thing you give this 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 current administration's done some nice drafting. Yeah. If anything, I mean the Chris Stapps sure. trade. We'll see. The Chris, the Chris Stapps trade. I'm okay with. Honestly, I'm okay with. I think in the long game, that's gonna be fine. Yeah. I think people are like, 
you know, they see this unicorn, the 7'3 unicorn, pouncing around the court again. They're like, fucking Knicks. <laughs> but, like, I think, like, five years from now, when he can't play more than, like, 40 games a season exactly. and he becomes a limited I, player, which is... He doesn't seem like kind he was of ever going to be the yeah. guy. He seemed like he needed somebody yeah. to, you know what I mean? And somebody we'll else those to, picks to do the show. You know, like, like one of those guys. I, I don't think that's a predetermined factor but you got that little core robinson mm-hmm. knox barrett little mm-hmm. building that but i think that's what he's asking is like you know i've never been a knicks fan but my dad and my brother are hardcore knicks fans okay. so i've been following the knicks hearing about you know the the beautiful teams of the early 70s for my father like for <laughs> my entire life yeah you know this was the epitome of knicks basketball happened now 40 years ago 50 years ago yeah. at this point and it seems like every single time they get close, the organization or something happens. You know, like you go back to Mari Stoudemire, Larry Johnson, uh, you know, like yeah. Carmelo recently. You know, they make those runs and then something happens with a coach or the owner or a player that just yeah. like fucks it up. I want to pose a James crazy Dolan question curse. for you. Lay it on. So you know how people believe in like the moon landing being a conspiracy and stuff yes. like that? Yes. Have you ever possibly contemplated the early nba being akin to like pro wrestling and like or like what the harlem globe trotters are because like that like dude the knit like the early 70s knicks like that's some crazy shit like will it willis reed coming out of the tunnel halfway through the game yeah i'm here to play now and then just putting up crazy numbers right it's kind of insane thought it was like Like stuff like that yeah yeah. spectacle i've just wondered sometimes i've been like you know what i mean why not especially in those days right you know what i mean like like so many people had such limited access to whatever the hell was going on for sure yeah why not you know will chamberlain Chamberlain putting up a hundred ABA guys literally had like guns you know? in their lockers. Yeah, they were like fighting each other in the yeah. in the court and like yeah, why not? Hundred percent. Cool. I, I I believe in all. I mean, how many times you believe have, in a good conspiracy theory? No, don't no, you it's true. <laughs> I does, mean, it's how does. the Knicks got Patrick <laughs> Ewing by bending the envelope. Right. The lot of the lottery is is. Fixed. You know about this? No. So this is what happened. Patrick Ewing, king of the Big East. Right. Mm-hmm. The New York Knicks want him so bad. It's like the perfect thing. And this is back in the day when, you know, the lottery was actually a lottery. There was a giant ball with envelopes. That was the first of, lottery, the different too, teams. right? Was it? Was Patrick Ewing the first I'm not one? sure. I'm not sure. And uh, the conspiracy theory was the Knicks envelope was thrown into the ball with great haste to bend the corner. So when they went and fished, could feel it. they would get the Knicks one out so they could draft Patrick Ewing and save the Knicks. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I don't. What I know is that I don't know. That's what, <laughs> exactly. I, that's what I know. You know James Dolan? Do you know about his band? Yeah, it was JD, JD and the Straight, and the straight Shoot. Shoot. Uh, yeah. straight, uh, straight, straight Shot. shot. He's uh-huh. got a band. And apparently he pays really well. Dude, have you seen the article about that band like going on tour and stuff like that? No, I haven't. I've heard like, a couple insider pieces from someone who like tour managed his band. Okay. That the band is very well taken care of, mm-hmm. and that's like, why his... they have like jets, like private yeah, jets. Yeah. Like they pay like thousands of thousands yes. of dollars to open these huge shows. So, like yeah, so he actually was managed to get himself like legit Nashville musicians because 
He'll pay fucking right. five thousand dollars a week and yeah. give him the best accommodations, and they won't. Of course, they're not going to talk shit about the <laughs> fucking meal. They're paying for private school with the fucking JD in the street <laughs> shop. I got to get that job for real, yeah, dude, dude. For real. How do I drum? I just bashed Dolan for ten minutes. I'm never going to get his band now. <laughs> we'll edit Fuck. it out. What am I going to do? <laughs> um, I don't know. I hope for you and my brother and my dad that the Knicks one day, yeah. Get over the hump. Do you, uh, like, religiously watch? You into, like, every game? Yeah. Hardcore into I watch every game that I can. Good. Missed only, like, one this year. So as a Knicks fan, like, what do you think? I'm a a big-time Nets fan. Oh, okay. okay. Um, And, you know, there's not really a beef because we've never been good at the same time. Right. So (laughs) believe it or not, there's not really a thing there. But uh, I've been wondering, you know, I'm a season ticket holder for the Nets. Okay. And, you know, the first three, four seasons, anytime Nets-Knicks was going on at Barclays, I mean, Knicks fans just grossly outnumber Nets fans at right. this point. Like, yeah. they just take over the stadium. Because it's such a good, loyal crowd, you know? And it's so cheap. Well, I don't know about now, but it, used to, it used to be, like, yeah. so cheap. Still a little cheaper in the garden. But they, they but... get you when they, uh, once you get in. The concessions in Barclays oh. were, like, insane. Yeah, but they got Great cheesecake. Insane. <laughs> they got they be- used to have they like, got Beyond Meat in there now, so that's... Oh, fuck, uh, man, I'm spending too much uh, money because they got Beyond Meats. But um, I was wondering, like, when are people from Brooklyn who are lifelong Knicks fans going to start making the switch? It's got to happen. It's going to happen. Like, 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 maybe does it take a youth movement? Like, you know, like the first time, like, young people get to see them be good? I don't know if that'll ever happen, though. Truthfully, because you're gonna stick it out. Yeah, because I feel like how many ways can a Knicks fan get slapped without leaving? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like when so when they got Garnett and uh, Paul Pierce and stuff like that, and Jason Terry, yeah, Jason Terry. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that was gonna be the moment that, like, you know what I mean? If you saw that kind of shift, like you're gonna see it go then. Um, that didn't really pan out. Yeah, and it yeah. did. And they only got to like the second round, I think. Right? Second round once. Yeah. First round the year after that, and then and that was it. Tanking for years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah so I mean, I don't know. I I mean, I can't see it happening. I think there's like hope with when the Islanders went there that it was going to be like a new generation of fans, and I just yeah. don't think didn't work out either. Yeah, people just weren't that interested. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's but, still a transient audience. It's still like you still you, see. I feel like a lot of so like you're from New Jersey, so is that is that where the Nets, yeah, like allegiance comes from? Yes. Yeah, I feel like yes. a lot. The most of their fans are still people who grew up watching the New Jersey team. I uh, I actually disagree. I think okay. um, yeah, I think the bulk. You know, you saw it the first couple of years. You saw the people turning over. Uh-huh. Um, there wasn't a lot, um, and I think that's the reason. Like that's the thing. And the reason nobody cared about them leaving New Jersey, like, they didn't have a very diehard fan base there either. Okay. Um, You know, like, literally, you know, one of the reasons I didn't care about the Nets leaving was I literally walked up to the stadium in 2002 and bought final seats. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, like against That's the wild. fucking Shaq Kobe Lakers. Yeah. That's you know what insane. I mean? So, like... Uh. So when they were like, yeah, we're moving to Brooklyn, I'm like, oh, good. Like, get yeah. out of the swamp, man. Like, you know, <laughs> um, I was pissed because they played two years in Newark where the Devils play while they were building Barclays. That for me was beautiful. I mean, I could literally catch a 730 tip. I'd be like, to, to wifey, I'd be like, 720, I'm getting on the path. 
I get a cheap ass seat and go. That was gorgeous. That's sick. But um, but no, I do feel like there's a very unless you live in like a Hoboken or Jersey City, uh, maybe some of the parts like off the Gothels and like Central Jersey, like you might make a a consistent trip to to Brooklyn to see them. But right. I feel like it has been um a redefinition of the crowd, and I think it's a brand new. Do you feel like there's a lot of so. When they first when they first moved to Brooklyn and I yeah. went there like I went to a couple games, I would notice there's like a lot of deals like for kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you feel like that's panned out well for them? No, I, like I think they've abandoned it a little. Okay. Yeah, that first year they had the the Brooklyn Knight who was yeah. this like who was this like superhero they tried to market. Right. He didn't last more than a year. Right. Um no, I think they bailed on that quick and kinda okay. went more with like the where like the cool jay-z yeah. black colors hip new york like as opposed to like old school like old man new the, york yeah. which they try to always market the garden as right i mean you see that billboard they put up which Kyrie one? irving staring at the garden right now like no. a 10 story version of Kyrie irving is staring at the garden right now that makes me angry talking shit that makes me angry yes. see and this is what i like the nets next thing it's gonna start it's yeah i like years see i appreciate like like the kevin durant thing where he says yeah. like it's not cool to be a nick yeah, yeah. i love that oh, i feel like that's it. how i feel like that's the best part about this league and like where they're really taking like they have control over the league you know yes. what i mean like yes. they create more stuff than just like like think about like the free agency in the summer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that itself is like a spectacle now. Oh yeah. You know what it's I mean? Year round year round full on spectacle. And these guys understand it as well as anyone. Like like LeBron is always doing something about once a month in the off season that mm-hmm. like raises headlines and gets him in the, like it's not a fucking mistake. Yeah. You know, the guy gets paid I forget what the exact number is, but he's paid like many hundreds of thousands of dollars per letter to what? write a tweet. That's crazy. For someone. Per because letter. Per letter. Yeah. Because his, like, I forget what his exact fan base is on Twitter, but a company reaches more people directly yeah, no, by having LeBron math. James write a tweet than they do Commercial. starting an amazingly yeah. huge, like, national ad campaign right. putting posters everywhere in this. Like, Yeah, no, it's just math. Yeah. You just pay him, 10 and there's million. more value to it. He's gonna be president. <laughs> all right. So one <laughs> one question I had to sneak in. I know you're like now always. I mean, you're just kind of put into like an emo category. Mm-hmm. You know, I, whether you like it or not, I guess you're there. Um, I don't know if that's <laughs> self self described or not. Um, and you know, there's this like long history of emo from like Long Island and from where you're from, right? Or what people like think is emo, and then there's old people like me and Brad who think emo is something totally different, you know? So I'm like, what is it to you? What is emo to me? Yeah. Um, or like, I mean like growing up emo to me was like my chemical romance. Right. The use that was like Mm -hmm. what my idea of emo music was. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so when you were a kid, those were like the seminal emo bands. Those were like right. That right. was like the first time I ever heard the term like emo. Right. Um, and then I mean now, like, feel like since 2014, stuff like that. That's kind of like started touring in like 2012 and 2014. Uh, 
I don't, it, it was weird because I feel like in 2012, 2013, nobody was really being like, we weren't like, oh, this is like the emo scene or this is an emo band or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then like certain bands just started kind of getting bigger and then it was like, this is the emo revival. So you're like, okay, right. this is what emo is now today. You yeah, know what yeah, I yeah. mean? And it's like, I don't know. It's a, emo is a weird thing. Yeah, it's, it's weird, strange. It's strange. I know, I don't mind being called an emo band because I feel like the people who uh like subscribe to that genre or whatever really like really hold the music like super high sentimentally right you know what i mean like in high regards so like i don't mind that i guess people think that it's like in terms of like a commercial thing that it will like bring your band down um oh just by being labeled just by being emo like i like I feel like there's a lot of bands that I would consider emo or whatever that are like, oh, we're not emo, we're an indie rock band. Right, right, You know right, what I mean? Right. And like, Still trying like, to get college radio play? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, after all these years, it's like, now, you know, we're in like, what, like the fifth generation of like, what has been dubbed a certain type <laughs> of emo. And like, I mean, if there's anything, I guess, that ties through all five... It's kind of starting to have nothing to do with music, mm-hmm. and it has to do with what you're saying, right. which I think it's taking on it's kind, kind of, of like a yeah, punk it's rock an emotional resonance. I it, think more yeah. than the sound, right? So, like, so, how you can be a punk band ethically without right. sounding like the Sex Pistols or something like that, and maybe it's. I mean, do you think maybe that's it? Like, it's the content of the message rather than the music itself, because obviously. Your music has nothing to do with My Chemical but, Romance, uh-huh. which has nothing to do with Taking Back Sunday, which has nothing to do with Seisha, which has nothing to do with Embrace. You know what I mean? Like, right. And it just keeps going back. Like, is it, you think that that's it maybe? Um, I think it's, I, I mean, if you want to get into that and like how it's evolved like that, I think it's just like a bit of OCD in the culture and people being huh. like, we need to, what is this? We need to, uh, you know what I mean? That has to be something, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. And it's not ska, and it's not really, it's not very punk, you know what I mean? So it's, it's emo, you right. know what I mean? This, like, this band is playing small clubs, and you know what I mean? Their merch looks like this, so they're emo. Right. You know what I mean? And they play with this band and that band. Gotcha. I feel like that's a, a big thing now, too, that I see is, like, if you tour with a certain like within a certain scene of bands or something like that like then that's what you are sure to like these kids or yeah, yeah you know yeah. what i mean like oh yeah they need a way to uh, identify it there's like my friend's band just friends mm-hmm. is like uh people like when they first started playing they have it's like they're kind of like a funk like a funk poppy uh let's say like a funk pop punk like hybrid band to me um, but they have horns, so like when they first started playing, they were ska. You know mm. what I mean. And then they started getting on these tour packages with yeah, other like right. so-called emo bands. So now they're emo. But right. then the kids who are really into emo are like, "That's not emo." That's not emo. You know right. what I mean. And but the band point, itself never did anything. Never to said a single word about anything. Right. Yeah, right, right, right. except maybe please don't call us ska. But yeah, so it's like. Do you think it's more of like a micromanaging of classification and it's, distinction? Yeah, it's it's it seems like that. And like um people need a hashtag. 
Yeah, and it's just like like I've I've checked out. There's like our emo was like a, a Reddit, a subreddit or something okay. like that. Um, that like I've scoped out a couple times, uh, and it's just like kind of picking hairs at like is this yeah. band emo? Why are we talking about right. this band in here? Right. You know what I mean? And it's just like at this point, it just seems a bit like we need to be able to categorize every single yeah. thing because if we, you know what I mean? Sure. So. A little that's, tired at this point. That's kind of, yeah, that's yeah. just kind of how I look at it. Seems you know like I mean? it is getting to that point, like punk got to at a certain point, you know, where it's just like, it's about the ethos, right? Like yeah. you can sound like any number of different things, right. but it's about like what you stand for and how you present yourself and shit like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's just getting to that point, right? Or even I see these, uh, fun, to bring up basketball again, um, it was kind of funny. <laughs> you just had a rap battle in the NBA going on, and it was between Damian Lillard, Portland Trailblazers, he's uh-huh. a young guy in his 20s, has kind of like a modern style of hip-hop, you know, he uses yeah. the trap beats and shit like that, and he had a beef with Shaq, <laughs> you know, who fucking rocks the 90s hard, like, <laughs> foosh-nickens, battle rap, like, that's his style, yeah. like, real clunky, and and they, they made diss tracks to each other, a couple really? of pieces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, you say like Kobe won you those titles? Right? Exactly, uh, yeah, yeah. But Dame's never won a title, so I thought that was kind of a rough yeah. road to go down with Shaq. You don't want to fuck with Shaq with titles. He has like three yeah. finals MVPs or something. Um, but what was funny about that is when I'm reading like, you know, the Twitter threads and stuff about this, there's literally like an old man hip-hop thing supporting Shaq. You know, the guys then, from the 90s <laughs> right, who were all right, about right. like, you know, New York, like, I'm Nas, I'm Eric B., I'm yeah, Rakim, yeah. I'm, right. like, the old school. And then, like, the new school kids are all like, yo, Dame smoked him. Dame Dollar, <laughs> he's the shit, you know? And, like, even in hip-hop, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, literally those, and their beats and their flow and everything had nothing to do with each other. They were literally, like, two different kinds of music right. that are just in this, like, hip-hop. That's right. it. It's so right. big. It goes on for so long. Mm-hmm. It just, like, grows into weird shit. What do you even call anything anymore? It's all music, baby. There was like a thing mm. with the uh, that baby Lakers team a couple years ago, where they were talking about that too. They were like, oh, really? They were just like, oh yeah, Tupac's trash. All you know oh, what I mean? Right, like, stuff right, like right, that. Right. Like, Future's the greatest rapper yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know what I mean? So I kind of love when I see that shit though, because that's like that was like me <coughs> at like record shows when I was like twelve. Right. Talking to these guys, being like, yo, I'm sorry. Steely Dan is bullshit, man. You gotta get the fuck. You fucking care. You hear those razors playing in seven, eight, whole time around here. You fucking freak out. I'm like, sorry, bro. Reeling in the ears. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> is that a good place to stop? Yeah, it sounds great. All right, man. cool. <laughs> well, thanks for showing up. Yeah, Thank you guys fun. for having thanks, me. For real. Yeah. Well, that was nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, A little too much sports talk for me, Benny. Yeah. I know you really enjoyed that. I see you put on your John Starks jersey while we were doing this. Good my for gym you. shorts. You put on my little, shorty shorts. You got little gym shorts? <laughs> I bet you did. You probably did rock above the knees when you played, I'm sure. You probably Dude, I had like, to. You looked 70s like and 80s. Out there. You probably looked like a. You looked crazy. Well, I was so happy that Jade came by to uh, do the interview with us. He's still supporting. Basking in the Glow, excellent record on Triple Crown, yeah, which yeah. Pitchfork called Enlightened Emo. Oh, boy. I really like <laughs> him and his songs, but Pitchfork, 
they Jesus gotta Christ. they gotta keep it they gotta yeah, come up with something <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also check out jade he's on tour in march he's at uh the fillmore in philly march 11th union stage in dc on the 12th paradise in boston the 13th and back in new york at the warsaw in brooklyn on the 15th there you go just sold out bowery ballroom too Ooh, nice jade's killing it hell yeah he's doing good so we thank him for and and I'm glad he, we were able to broker some like Long Island, New Jersey peace negotiations. Uh, yeah, this might have long term effects. It's like Pawnee and Eagleton. Just think what the <laughs> what the two of you could do together, Jersey and Long Island United. We're like we're like Rocky and <laughs> Ivan Drago at the end of Rocky Four, <laughs> just solving the Cold War. <laughs> right at the end of a boxing match. Isn't it isn't it great? That's a fucking great analogy. So thanks uh everyone still listening. Yeah, we're sorry that this is kind of another uh interim episode. We're not trying to string you along. We just still have a few things to sort out and we want to be able to come at you strong when we do come back weekly, but we can say this, we're gonna come back strong. We've got a couple really good episodes lined up. Mm-hmm. And we will be coming at you weekly, very shortly. Just hang in there with us, man, please. <laughs> uh, and we should say that by the time this comes out, we may have a Patreon page back up. Um, it just depends on how close we are to relaunching. This but isn't pro. This isn't pro. Just say we'll have it. We'll have it? <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash going off track. Or is it patreon.com slash off track? Either way, there's links on the website and... Uh, Keep your eyes open. Stay stay with us. We promise to deliver. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.